0: Tina Ramirez, Dance Visionary and National Medal of Arts recipient, was born in Caracas, Venezuela in 1929. Tina Ramirez moved to New York City at the age of seven. At that time, the worlds of ballet, modern dance, and ethnic dance were largely separate. But Tina Ramirez's passion for dance led her to train rigorously in all three disciplines. In 1963, Ramirez conceived and directed an intensive training program for younger students called Operation High Hopes. In addition to teaching, Ramirez arranged performances for her young students. And whilst she demanded professional behavior of them, she was aware that there were few opportunities for Latinos in professional dance at that time. Encouraged by the growing skill of her pupils and increasing requests for performances, Ramirez formally established Ballet Hispanico in 1970 to include a company, a school and educational programmes, providing a haven for black and brown families seeking place and artistic sanctuary. By creating the space for Hispanic dance and dancers, to flourish, combined with the training, cultural pride, and the power of representation, Ballet Hispanico uplifted marginalised artists and youth, and Ballet Hispanico became the largest Latinx, Latina, Hispanic cultural organisation in the United States, and consequently one of America's cultural treasures. Ballet Hispanico's three main programmes, the company, the School of Dance, and community arts partnerships bring communities together to celebrate the multifaceted Hispanic diasporas. In 1985, Eduardo Villaro joined Ballet Hispanico as a company dancer, became the organization's second artistic director in 2009 and CEO in 2015. Ballet Hispanico will be performing at the WISE Center for the Performing Arts on Tuesday, February the 6th, at 7.30pm, and I had the opportunity to speak with Eduardo Villaro recently by phone. Eduardo spoke first about the origin of the name Ballet Hispanico.
1: The idea for the name Ballet Hispanico for Tina at that time, ballet meant dance. That's what it does mean in French. It wasn't, for her, it wasn't codified in the sense of the technical or the history of classical ballet. And so Hispanico, Hispanic is a construct of the federal government in the United States, as you um, well know, for the census. We don't call ourselves Hispanic. And if you go to Spain and you say Hispanico, they look at you like you've done something strange. So it's a very interesting concept. The intersection of both is wanting to encompass the full diversity of Latin American, Caribbean, and Spanish, anything that has to do with Latinidad, in with dance.
0: I know that modern ballet, although it looks very freeform, requires as much, I'd say if not more, discipline than the classical ballet.
1: I would agree with you that contemporary and modern dance does give you more because there's still technique behind it. Ballet does not take the market, <laughs> hold the place in the market that is the only technique in the world. it's just one of them.
0: And you can't just leap on the stage and, and flail about. <laughs> well, I have seen that.
1: No name, but I have seen that. And that's not my cup of tea for sure. <laughs> and that's one of the beauty of what Tina Ramirez did with founding Ballet Hispanico, that the tradition is still where it's. there's a lot of fusion of contemporary movement, Latino movement. There's such a strong, and I still carry this to this day, it's a very powerful classical line that I look for in my dancers. I want them to have some classical technique, and at the same time I want them to have other techniques. Some of my most favorite dancers first started in hip-hop or jazz or street dance, and then they got on to classical ballet, they started taking classes. The mixture of all of those techniques gives you such a rich, and and I'm using this term loosely, body of tools for the artist or tools for the body, for the artist to use. And thus, the choreographer can manipulate beautiful poems of movement with that body. That enables you to get this rich coloring and texture when you're choreographing. And, And I think that even in ballet class, I love classical ballet. Love it. Really do. But I still want to see that dancer who is not just an automaton, who is full of richness of who they are. And some people call that artistry. No, I call that experience, life experience, and what you bring from how you're trained.
0: In classical ballet, a dancer is young, very skinny, and athletic as all get out. But you don't see any diversity of age or shape. Is that the same with Ballet Hispanico, or do you have interesting-looking people dancing?
1: I have very interesting-looking people. I look for people who look like humans, and so you'll have a very diverse group of dancers. What brings them together is the way we move, the way I coach them to move, the way we focus on the work itself, the curating of the different choreographers who come in. That's what makes them together. I really love having a diverse group. We are not all the single swans in a line. You know, I just want to say that I I do think it's high time we stop using descriptors such as a ballet body. What does that actually really mean? You know, we're in such a time right now that we're reconstructing the way we describe who we are and identify. This is an opportune moment to just break down those barriers. Because if we continue to say, that's a ballet body, well, then what's the opposite of that? And would you use a a word for it? There's places for everyone. And there are groups that that work with different, and I think that we've got to get to that point. With ballet hispanical, the thing I need is a very athletic body. And what that means is that they could do the work that we ask of them without getting physically hurt. And some of my dancers, I mean, you're going to need some nice size in order to land some of the falls we do. And we're Latinos and Latinas. We have curves. And while uh, the dancers are fit, they still have their curves. And it's a beautiful thing.
0: Let's talk about the music.
1: The music is fantastic. We go everything from classical flamenco guitar to Caribbean rhythms to Trinidadian rhythms to even a very Spanish religious music. And then we end with Pérez Prado. So let me take you through this. The program I curated really is a look at the intersectionality that you find in, in Ballet Hispanico and in Latin America. We start with this work called Línea Recta, which means direct line. Our founder was a flamenco dancer. And so in homage to that, I had Annabel Lopez Ochoa, the prolific choreographer these days in the ballet world, create a work about flamenco and what she was toying with, and I think she did it very well, was removing flamenco from just the solo dancer, because flamenco has that, right? The duende, that, that, that solo flamenca dancer or male dancer, and you're just intense, and the duende seeps through that. She wanted to fuse it with partnering and what it would be to have a flamenco movement with that. She's classically trained, so you'll see a lot of beautiful classical lines, but at the same time, the arms that you find in flamenco, the back that you find in flamenco as well. It's a beautiful piece. Linea recta is quite a showstopper. And then we go into a set of duets to kind of show you the the different influences from Latin America. Si Señores, Mi song is a duet with the music of Gloria Stefan, and it's a bolero, which actually has its roots in Spain, but also Africa and Latin America the way we do it in Cuba. Then we move on to and we show Dance Creole, which is from Joffrey Holder, who was an incredible dance artist, although he is, uh, I think, best known still for his roles in TV and his commercial, 7-Up the Uncola. That is a beautiful, the way he has this duet show how slaves in the Caribbean took on certain attributes that they saw in the European dances. And so that fusion of the hyper-articulated back of African movement with these very stately moves and the white dresses and the Panama hats, that kind of fusing is very gorgeous. And then we have a beautiful duet from a work that it's a, giving you a sneak peek, a work that hasn't premiered yet that I created called Buscando a Juan, which actually is not a narrative, but it's a meditation on the life of Juan de Pareja, who was Diego Velazquez, Spain's most notable colonist artist during the colonial time, he was his slave and actually became a very well-respected painter after Diego Velázquez freed him. And that has beautiful music by Osvaldo Golijov, and his The Calling of St. Marcos. Then we end with this high-energy celebration by Gustavo Ramirez Sanzano called 18 Plus One, the music of Perez Prado. So think of big band sound era, late 40s, Caribbean sound. Perez Prado was responsible for really infusing Latin big band sound into the American psyche. It's really remarkable. But this choreographer uses highly athletic contemporary movement to play with that music and show the multi layered aspect of that music. And that's our program.
0: Eduardo, how does a young man born in Cuba and raised in New York become involved in dance? Were you always interested in dance? Did you start out? Tell me about your journey.
1: Oh, well, thank you for asking. You know, this is now my public service announcement for the need for arts education in schools. I am exactly that. I am a product of a teacher who understood the need for arts education. And in a small parochial school in the Bronx, one grade each level, this gentleman, Chuck Abbott, came in and was an artist himself and a director. And everything he did with us was creative, the way we learned our reading, writing, arithmetic, everything. And then finally, one day, he decided to teach us how you audition for a show and we auditioned for a show, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and I got the role of Linus, and Linus has a dance and sings with his blanket, and I had never, I mean, I was dancing at home, trust that, you know, even at six, mom grabs you and, and does a little bit of mambo with you when there's a party, but I'd never seen it in this platform of the proscenium, right, of, of, of performing for someone, So we put the show together, and he asked me to dance and sing, and I did. And the connection I felt to the audience for an immigrant child that was still struggling with the language, that didn't understand because they were extracted from homeland, where were they, where do you fit in, what? That minute I felt like I belonged because the audience accepted me, and I never let it go. It's so funny that you asked about me because this is my 15th anniversary as the Artistic Director of Ballet Hispanico. We're celebrating my quinceanera. (laughs) And the quinceanera is traditionally the coming of age in Latin America. It's a very special time for us, and so we're preparing with my new work and a few other new works for our New York season. But it's very special because I think in this program that you will be seeing, there's a little bit of my 15 years here at Ballet Hispanico. The first piece, Línea Recta, is an homage to my mentor and the founder of Ballet Hispanico, Tina Ramirez. And then the next two works, Si Señor, Es Mi Song, and Dance Creole, these were dances that I danced in my youth. And then there's a work by me as a choreographer. And then finally, the Celebration. And in all of this, you know, the last person, just like the first, are two choreographers that I've nurtured. Annabelle is from the Netherlands and Gustavo is from Spain. So bringing diverse voices to America is such part of who I am as a leader because I I feel that if we don't share, then we become so devoid of culture. Culture is developed because we share, we learn, we allow each other to live in each other's moments.
0: Eduardo Villaro of Ballet Hispanico speaking by phone recently about their upcoming performance. Ballet Hispanico will be performing at the WISE Centre for the Performing Arts in Lewisburg on Tuesday, February the 6th at 7.30 p.m. There will be a free pre-performance talk from 6.45 to 7.15 p.m. in the WISE Centre Atrium. Tickets can be reserved by calling 570-577-1000 or online at bucknell.edu slash box office. Tickets are also available in person from several locations including the Wise Centre lobby which is open weekdays 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and the CAP Centre box office located on the ground floor of the Elaine Langone Centre weekdays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information about the Wise Centre for the Performing Arts, you may go to bucknell.edu slash or look for Wise Centre on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or YouTube. Many thanks to Eduardo Villaro. And to you, WVI ace Fiona Powell.